TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. This is information not being reported by anyone else. You want the scoop? Here it is with Darren Doogie Wolfson. My arm is sore from the annual flu shot, but the bosses say the show must go on. So it's on me to fight through this pain, the soreness in my right arm. Here we are. It is Scoop Podcast episode 179. Hopefully... I can get through this. Hopefully the sound of my voice, and we all have egos in this business, the sound of my voice can carry me through for the next X amount of minutes. Not quite sure how long we'll go. We'll have an update on the Wolves front. We'll catch up with David Thorpe, one of our favorites, with the NBA season beginning on Tuesday night. Plus, I caught up with two players in the Metro that recently got Gophers offers. Kendall Brown of Eastridge, he's a sophomore, and Kerwin Walton of Hopkins, he is a junior. So I will play back those conversations. Plus, while over at Eastridge, I caught up with Ben Carlson, who has a Gophers offer, and Courtney Brown Jr., a senior who recently committed to UW-Milwaukee. So we'll go heavy on basketball in this particular episode. Plus, I will share the latest intel I have on the twin search for a new manager before we get to David Thorpe, let me tell you about one of the sponsors of the Scoop Podcast. We are forever indebted to Fair State Brewing and my bookie, mybookie.com. I'll tell you now about Fair State Brewing. Tell you a little bit later about my bookie. Fair State Brewing Cooperative is the Upper Midwest's first member owned brewery. They specialize in delicious sours, lagers, and hoppy ales. And this month, the month of October, Fair State Brewing has released Mirror Universe, a double dry hopped hazy IPA brewed with wheat, oats, citra mosaic, and El Dorado hops. It was a limited offering in the spring, so maybe you had a chance to check out Mirror Universe, and now it's available year-round. Look for Mirror Universe at your local bars and liquor stores, or stop by the tap room, the Fair State Brewing Tap Room in Northeast Minneapolis at Lowry and Central. I'll have to talk to Andy Carlson, who helps find sponsors for this podcast. A couple of years ago, we did a scoop podcast at Fair State Brewing. I'd love to get back there. So many good people. Peter and those guys are fantastic to deal with. The beer is phenomenal, so I'd love to get back to the Fair State Brewing Tap House in Northeast Minneapolis. All right, let's get to one of our favorites, former NBA skills coach, renowned public speaker, former NBA analyst for ESPN. He is available on Twitter at Coach Thorpe. It is David Thorpe. Among guys he has worked with in the past, Kevin Martin, Joe Kim Noah, Corey Brewer, and many others. Here is David. David, thanks for your time. All right, let's start with the Wolves, but we won't make this completely all Wolves with the season starting tonight. But on the Wolves, I just saw the the Vegas over-under, I think it's set at 41 and a half wins, 42 wins now. It's hard, right? I mean, we don't know when Jimmy Butler will be traded. Heck, if Jimmy Butler will be traded. I personally think he will be eventually, but maybe it's January or early February. Maybe it's not in the next few weeks. But that being said, 41 and a half, 42 wins. If you had to bet, would you go over or under for Wolves victories this year? Oh, man. It's you know you you first of all I wouldn't bet that you know, to I to do make it a prediction on such crazy situations where how can you predict if and when he's going to go is just I don't think that's a smart way to I mean if you want to gamble fine it's just I think there's better ways to gamble I agree yeah. um, but I will say that people kind of forget that Minnesota was 
probably the third best team in the West for a good portion of last season. And, and that's with Wiggins really being bad. Uh, if, if you told me that the culture was good, and it's incredibly alarming to me, Darren, that, that, that here we are, start of the season, and, and they haven't fixed a problem that was very obvious at the end of last year, uh, I, I can't imagine what they're thinking. Because had they addressed it, I think that um, I think you guys could have been, I mean, it's a heck of a West now, heck of a West. But you could argue that you guys could finish top four. I think you're a really good team. I really do. Uh, but it doesn't matter the talent you've amassed when you've got that kind of player personality issues that you have. And then here's the big factor is if you had changed coaches, uh, at least you could point to something, right? You could say, well, we got the same guys, but there's going to be a different conductor in a sense. The fact that nothing's changed at all, is is just such an alarming re- reality, and until that gets resolved, it, it's it seems to me impossible to predict. All right. Well, on the coach, on the yeah. good scale, bad scale, where is Tom Thibodeau? I mean, just a couple of years ago, I thought he was one of the elite coaches the league was going to have for a decade. I, I don't feel that way anymore. Uh, it's happened too many times now. It, he, he he's run people down and out in two different places. Uh, his I mean, ideally, he'd just be a coach and not a GM. And I think sometimes maybe even that could work. A guy like him, who's, he's not really a motivator in, in the, from the standpoint of being inspirational. He's kind of a bully. But that works in sports. I'm not, I'm not ripping him for that. There, there are bullies out there that get guys to play so well because, because they bully, play so hard. But one way you can do that, one secret you can do that with, is if you kind of make it us versus them, and then if the them is management. The problem is he's us and them at the same time, uh, you know. And so you don't really have that to rally. He, he's really in control of everything, and uh, I, I think he's got a good offensive mind. I think he he once had a great defensive mind. Uh, I, I'm shocked that he's not done a better job with this with this group. Um, in particular, I, I just always look at, at Wiggins. You could also look at Cat a little bit defensively. Those guys should be performing at all defensive levels. Wiggins should be one of the top defenders in the league. Um, he, he hasn't made that kind of progress in the half court. Cat uh, doesn't seem to be so willing. I'm, I'm guessing, by the way, this is part of Jimmy's issue. Uh, I don't believe you bring in a Jimmy Butler to fix Wiggins and Towns. That's on coaching and management. I don't think players – Jimmy Butler wants to worry mostly about himself, and I just gave you the basic organic beginning – of this complaint. If he's not paid to be the coach and the general manager too and chief cheerleader, he wants to play basketball. And he wants to play guys that are just as competitive and hungry to win as him. Uh, and I don't think he feels they've done a good job of bringing people like him in, nor does he necessarily like those that are there in terms of that aspect. I'm not, I'm not absolving Jimmy of any blame he deserves over how he's handled it, but that's the nature of the issue is, uh, and I just was talking to a player earlier, not about Minnesota, but about that competitiveness. That 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 is what really separates uh, not just great players and good players in the NBA, but professional players. You, if you're a pro, you've got to have that level of competitiveness, and and clearly you think something's missing. And and Thibodeau has been not been able to get that out of them. And that's kind of job one as a coach. We're we're first in the business to inspire, as I wrote in my book, and he's not done that. So uh, unless he can work some magic. I think he's coaching his last season for quite a while in the NBA, personally. 
I would agree with that. Now, on Jimmy, I mean, you're right. I mean, his level of competitiveness is off the charts. But you think about his background, David. I mean, what, Juco, you know, Marquette. I mean, he was a good player at Marquette, but he's a late first-round pick. I mean, he had to earn everything. Guys like Wiggins, Towns, first overall picks, coddled, going back many, many years. Is it an unfair request for Jimmy to say, okay, Andrew, you need to be as competitive as me. Carl, you need to be as competitive as me. Well, I would not agree if that was what he was saying. I, I, but I don't think he's saying that. I just think he's asking for some kind of requisite level. And, and being competitive, that's just a catch-all word. I, I don't know specifically what it is he's referring to. Uh, are they watching tape? Are they getting their rest? Are they eating right? These are things I read somewhere in the offseason, LeBron James spent six hours a day in his body. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I, I, I'm not kidding when I tell you uh, I've been able to have uh, a drink with NBA players during All-Star break, the week that these are veterans, not kids. These are veteran players that were over late 20s and 30s. And even during the All-Star break, I would meet them at their hotel or a nearby place, too, because some of them would come vacation here and shoot with me. I'd go meet with them, and they would allow themselves one beer, one, or in one case, a light, I was surprised, a white wine, a very weak white wine. Mm-hmm. And this was during All-Star break. These guys are pros. Uh, every year they're changing their diet a little bit more to get themselves a little bit healthier. Uh, I talked to players about cut, they didn't want to call salt out of their diet. These are very skinny guys, uh, always looking for that edge, getting their rest. Watch, I mean, even, even when they're out of the playoffs, they're watching games. Uh, it, I don't know how much competitive means fighting as much as just a total commitment to being the best they can be because, let's face it, uh, Towns and Wiggins both are not at the level we thought they'd be. Towns is probably closer, I think it's fair to say, than Wiggins, who's a pretty, pretty, pretty big gap now. But each of them has failed compared to where we thought they'd be at this age, and that goes on them and their franchise. Both are, both are losing there. The players are losing individually, and the franchise is losing because of it. What kind of coach can get more out of Wiggins if if we presume that, that it's there, right? And Jimmy's right. I mean, in that interview with Rachel Nichols of ESPN, when he's talking about Andrew, of everybody on this team has the most God-given ability, I mean, I think, I think, David, most people would agree with that. But is there a certain kind of coach that can get more out of Andrew, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I do. I, I, what I would like to do in that situation is think of who the best coaches are, right? I would go to Kerr, Brad Stevens, Popovich. Uh, they're all a little bit different. Maybe maybe Stevens is the most cerebral pop. You pops just been around longer, but each are cerebral, much more positive. The the one the the general thread from players that I talk to who play who have played for the best coaches in the world is the positiveness, and it's so unique to American basketball. Actually, obviously there are exceptions in every country, but generally speaking, we have more positive coaches for lots of different reasons that that we can talk about about a different podcast. But those guys are positive, and I also think that they're respected enough where if, if Wiggins was on one of their teams, they would have real frank conversations with them without having to yell and scream or whatever, and it would be, Andrew, do this, this, and this, or we're going to bench you, and if things don't get better, then we're going to trade you. You don't have to coddle them. You don't have to yell at them. You're just, you, you, it's all in playing time. If you want to play more, you will do these things, but what we're not going to do it's play you 30 plus minutes a game and you're playing like this and you point out to them exactly where you think they're sleepwalking or they're missing the assignments 
or they mess up a play that you've run a bunch of times before. Whatever it is, you don't think he's doing it the level he needs to do, or maybe it's coming to practice early and staying late. Whatever it is, you, you show them. You're not going to yell at them at, at that level. You show them what they're doing wrong, and Kate Andrew, what he's doing wrong. You hold them accountable, and there are consequences to his mess-ups, his screw-ups. And the consequences, again, start with less playing time and end with we're trading your ass. That's what it is. You're gone. We're moving on from this. And uh, it, it maybe he doesn't mind that. But either way, problem solved for the franchise he's playing for now because what they're not going to have is a player playing 30-plus minutes a night, almost like it's given to him, almost like it's given to him because of where he was drafted and what he's making and not earned on the court, which is where ultimately you have the power of the coaches. The guys have to be on the court to earn their money. It's also the general idea, David, that Andrew needs to play faster. You brought that point up before on the podcast, but that there's, what, six to eight to ten points a game just based on his sheer athleticism, being able to beat people down the floor? Well, I would argue, I would argue that if you don't play fast, you're just not taking advantage of some talents that he has. It's not an excuse for what he's not doing well. But, yeah, I mean, he's got two things going for him. One is obvious. He's probably the fastest player in the league right now without the ball. Uh, that's also, by the way, one of his weaknesses is he slows down considerably with the ball. So did James Harden at one point play much slower with the ball. So did Kevin Durant at one point have to be much slower when he had the ball in his hand. That's what skill is for. Kyrie Irving is not a great athlete. He's a good athlete. He's not an elite athlete, but with the ball he is because he makes the ball work magic tricks for him. That takes practice. The other thing Wiggins has, and I've always said this since he was in high school, I saw him play right up, right up the road, like six minutes from my house, and, and then his one year in college, and certainly his rookie year. He's got a little post-up game. It hasn't really got much better. But uh, post-defense is at its weakest in transition. I'm going to say this again. Post-defense is at its weakest in transition, for reasons we can discuss anytime you want. Mm-hmm. So if Wiggins is flying and doesn't get the ball, he can go right in the post and post. So now we've got, you've got two ways to utilize this very special talent in ways that I don't think they're taking advantage at all because they are playing so slow. So who is that coach? I mean, are there coaches, specific coaches? Like, is a Monty Williams? I know Glenn Taylor likes Monty Williams, so I bring up that name. But is there somebody oh, else top of your head? Hire? I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're saying, who can they bring in? Well, that, that would be a mistake, in my opinion. To, to hire a coach just for him would be a mistake, although it wouldn't be the first time a team did that. Uh, I, I'd have to th- I like Monty, yes. I, I don't think he's special. I like him. I will tell you one thing. This guy's employed now. Uh, Dwayne Casey really grew on me in Toronto. Yeah. And we'll find out. We'll find out uh, if it was him and Masai or just Masai. We can't, we can't say it was just Dwayne ever because there's always another factor. Uh, here's what I mean by that. I think Sam Gundy's a very good coach. He's not the coach I'd recommend for someone like Andrew. But uh, it didn't work in Detroit for a lot of different reasons probably. Uh, and their culture wasn't great. And I think Dwayne's really, I think he did a great job. When, when you've got someone like DeMar DeRozan destroyed, that he, that he was traded away from the Raptors to much warmer and very successful San Antonio, that says a lot about the culture you built. And I think Dwayne had a part of that. He's, he's charismatic. He's responsible. He's, I think, uh, even-keeled and consistent. And I, we'll see this year if Detroit's culture bubbles up into what I think can be one of the surprise teams of the East. Uh, and it's not because Dwayne's the greatest X and O's guy compared to Stan. I mean, fine. But I think the culture he brings can make a difference. And that's if I'm Minnesota and, uh, and Glenn Taylor specifically, 
if, if they do, they're going to make a change. I'm focused on someone who can create the kind of culture where all my players get better. Look at Toronto's youth program. Those guys get better. His, DeRozan got better. They, they, there was a resurgence for Kyle Lowry. Almost all their picks, and they have a lot of them, not all of them, but almost all of them, keep getting better. They've got this bevy of young assets now that have developed. Dwayne deserves at least some credit for that. And this is where Minnesota, I think, would, would best be suited to go is find someone that can really help. And it's not just that coaches, management to uh, bring that culture where guys love to be there. They do like playing there typically and, and get it better because they understand how to be a pro. They practice the right way. And they love being there instead of hating it. A lot of Wolves fans are listening to this right now, David, saying, hey, don't forget that Dwayne was here and Glenn Taylor blew it. I mean, they fired Dwayne Casey when he was 20 and 20. I mean, the record was 500. He had come off a pretty good year the year before. I mean, Dwayne was a good coach here going back about 10 years, but Dwayne cut his teeth here in Minnesota. I mean, this is really where he turned into a good coach, yet the Wolves absolutely blew it. They let him go and they should not have let him go. I did. I forgot about that. You're right, of course. Uh, I, I always say this. I just said this in an earlier show I did today about Jason Kidd, who I don't think is a very good coach. It doesn't mean he won't ever be a good coach. Players are allowed to get better. Why are coaches allowed to get better? Yeah. I know I did. That's a good point. When I started yeah. coaching in '87. I was I was much better in '92 when I was when I was 22 when I was 27 uh, instead of 25 and 24. I just kept getting better. I kept growing as a coach because I practiced. I tried. I experimented. Uh, Dwayne, like I said, I, I think. Toronto was smart to fire him, is my opinion. I think that he would take them as far as, as they could go if, indeed, they only wanted to win a championship. I don't think he was going to help them get to that. I would not have argued that's the, Like, for Minnesota, I wouldn't say championship or bust. If you can continually bring 50-plus wins to your franchise and give them hope, that's a heck of a run. Give them 10 years of that. You might get lucky one or two years at most, um, especially in a market like Minnesota. But every year, if you know you're there, I mean, Memphis hasn't complained until this year. They, they've, been, they've been there. It's, a, it's fun to follow a winner. Um, but Dwayne certainly built Toronto into that kind of power. And unfortunately for them, they had to deal with LeBron. Uh, but that's the only kind of weird thing. is They don't have to deal with them anymore. And so maybe they would have won, although Boston and Philly are loaded. Uh, but I think for Minnesota, they've got to find whether it's an assistant coach or a head coach that, that has in his resume that kind of talent. That is a talent in building that culture. And then you focus on developing guys like Wiggins. One more Wolves question, then I'll move on to some other yeah. NBA and on the culture. Okay, so so yeah. Jimmy is gone for three weeks. Put yourself in in the shoes of, of one of Jimmy's teammates. So Jimmy walks into the gym middle of last week. He's not around for three weeks. He was around, actually, the team a little bit, but not yeah. on the court, not in practices. Then he starts mother-bleeping Scott Layden. He's screaming at some other folks. How would you react? And then the next day, he calls a players-only meeting. How would you react if you were one of Jimmy Butler's teammates and all of a sudden he shows up to practice after missing for three weeks? Yeah, the, the players-only meeting is a little bit different, but th- these guys know it's their business, and they, and they do a nice job typically of focusing on what's, what's in their kind of like tracks. This is what I – and it's just they can't be worried about Jimmy. Uh, it's very different than college and high school or any team that we played on. Uh, it, it, it is a business uh, for obvious reasons, and it has to be treated as such. Uh, it, he wouldn't be able to do this if he wasn't their best player, and they know that, and, and they, would, they wouldn't put up with it. But with their best player, they have to. Now, the, the practice thing I find kind of humorous, and that's kind of what you want. Like I used to always, when I was a coach, I, I wanted my guys close to fighting preseason. 
I, I was their coach in high school. I didn't want them to fight, but I wanted them ready to fight because that's how competitive we were. That was one way we tried to teach our young kids how to be tough through adversity because we knew other teams were going to be very physical with us, especially with the really good teams that I had. We knew we were going to get other teams' best effort. And so I had to create that kind of fever pitch, especially uh, when our guys could get complacent because we had a lot of talent. Uh, and then we, you know, we didn't really want them fighting. And typically it was a guy that wasn't maybe going to make the team. We'd be fighting with someone that would. Uh, but you want that edge. Uh, there's, there's famous stories of Doug Collins doing that to Jordan, right, where Jordan's team would be winning a scrimmage. He'd then put Jordan on the other team. He would, lead, he would lead that team back. And just before they would win, he'd put him on the other team again. And he was, he was obviously challenging Jordan, Jordan uh, which brought more out of him, which I think is a good thing. But it also forced the other guys to deal with a level of intensity that would not have been there otherwise. So, so sometimes it wasn't typical that, that caused the drama and the suspense of that practice, the intensity. It was Jimmy Butler and probably tips like that. Um, the, the, players, the players meeting is a different story. Basically, uh, how are you going to tell me to come meet with you when you've already said you're out of here? That, that, I mean, I'm not an agent, nor will, and I never will be, but I likely, if a player had called me and said, what should I do? I would say, what are you doing? You know, why would you go? If you want to meet with him privately, I think that's fine. Meet with him privately. But until he says he's with you, well, then what does it matter? Why would, you, why would you waste any time going to a meeting held by someone that's flat out said, I don't want to be here? I, I practice hard, treat him great, but you know, you're not going to go to any special meeting he's doing. But I don't know what his relationship is with all the guys. We don't really ever know. I haven't asked. Uh, I've got some players that are friends with him, and I've not asked for details of some of their conversations. But uh, I happen to think he's a – I understand his argument, which is I'm not as good as LeBron James, but I'm the closest thing to LeBron James you're going to get. Uh, uh, Towns and Wiggins may be more talented, but here are the numbers. Uh, the, these guys aren't as committed as me, and if you don't do everything I ask, I'm out of here, and these guys will never reach their potential. That's what he's trying to say, and um, it just it really signifies what a mess the whole situation is. It is an absolute mess, and I could talk to you all day about it. But let me ask you about some yeah. other some other yeah. NBA topics. All right, give me an under the radar player, and I mean that's that's a broad umbrella that that is going to have a really good year that maybe doesn't get the love that he deserves. And I'll let you think about it for a second. For me, and we can argue whether this guy qualifies yeah. under under this guideline or not, but for me it's Kemba Walker of Charlotte. I'm a big Kemba Walker yeah. fan, and I think he gets lost in the shuffle of of some of the point guards in the league. He's only five foot eleven. Charlotte's not a big market, but I just think Kemba Walker is a phenomenal player. So is there a player that comes to mind for you, David, that flies under the radar a bit too much that maybe shouldn't? Yeah, I, I mean, I could probably list a lot of guys. I think Andre Drummond's really good, and I think he can get better still. Um, he, you know, if I told you there's a guy that's great at the rim, offensively, finishes around the rim, dunks, plays above the rim so you can throw it up in the air, rebounds his butt off, protects the rim defensively, and then is a really gifted passer out of the pinch post where you can run offenses through him, and he's 6'11", there's just not, and he's a great guy. Like, people love this guy. There's just not many guys like that. Uh, I, I, I thought things would go better from Detroit with Sands. I think Sands a great coach. Clearly there was a disconnect there. And, again, he had two jobs, uh, both a full-time job, and that's always a mistake. So, so I think Dwayne can help him there. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a really big Rudy Gobert fan. I think people kind of are getting it now with the, the impact he can make. Um, you know, he's a pretty uh, he's special. And, and, and Joe Ingles on that team. Uh, you know, I like, I like guys 
that have two, you know, if you always hear this, Darren, that in the NBA, you always have to have, you have to have one, you know, master skill. I just think that's so ridiculous. If, if you have that master skill, well, yeah, that's why you're in the NBA. You're, no, very few people have something that they master, right? Mm-hmm. They're elite level. Uh, I like guys that have two. Uh, doesn't mean they're all pros. Uh, I, t- I tell this all the time. You know, Corey Brewer is still not on the team. It's amazing to me. And I told Corey the other day, you have elite level IQ and elite level energy with elite level size and length and athleticism. For you know a guy your age, he's still, he's still super athletic. Like there's just not a lot of guys like that. That's why it lasted a long time, and hopefully he'll get back. Uh, Joe Ingles to me is a guy in Utah that might be the best shooter in the world. You could argue, certainly in the NBA, he's right there with an elite level toughness, elite level IQ, and brilliant passing skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's slow. Okay, I get it. But he's got all those other things going on for him, and there's a reason why Utah surged the way they did last year. And I think if Dante Exum can can make the jump that we all thought he could make, and all of a sudden it's him and, and Donovan Mitchell in the backcourt, and maybe now Rubio, I'm just, I'm just making up the story here, but what if by this season Exum's playing so well, you bring Rubio off the bench, who, who creates easy buckets for, for your second group, and now you've got a, a very good starting, if not a great starting group, Plus Rubio leading a second group, getting a lot of minutes because he can play with Donovan and Dante. Um, that's how they get to be a two seed. The Wolves even a one seed. Yeah, yeah, I, I like Utah. I'm with you. I think Utah is absolutely right in that mix for for a three, four, five type seed. All right, yeah. on the Spurs, the Wolves open up in San Antonio on Wednesday night. Is this finally the season that the Spurs don't make the playoffs? Yeah, probably. Probably, it's impossible to know what they're going to do, uh, uh, and and then think like you're predicting fairly if they. If they move some people and really start over when they're definitely not making the playoffs, if they are able to acquire someone, you know, I, I don't know why they're not going after Jimmy, whatever. If they go after someone, they get someone, he's a brilliant coach, they're, they have a brilliant system. Uh, I just think the West is too deep, too deep, uh, especially if Jimmy stays in Minnesota. Uh, Portland, people are down on Portland because they collapsed uh, against uh, New Orleans last year. Uh, the Pelicans... I think are in a world of hurt right now. I'm astonished at the lack of wing athleticism on the roster to, to partner with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday on a team that wants to play super fast. They just don't have the roster to do it, despite the success they had last year when DeMarcus got hurt. If, if they make a slight adjustment, they're going to be the eighth theater above. It's just going to, it's going to get too full. And I think San Antonio, although they have gotten with DeMarcus and Amar, They've got really good players at, at two spots, but that injury to Murray, I think, set them back but below the eight spot. Is there a player that hits you or multiple players that you think will will make a sizable leap this year? You know, maybe somebody like Brandon Ingram with the Lakers, somebody of that ilk? Oh, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, I, I thought I thought Jalen Brown showed in the postseason what he can do. Uh, he didn't do that all year, so uh, let, let you know. Let's see what happens uh, in in Toronto. They've got some young players that with Kawhi, I mean, Kawhi became such an ISO monster in San Antonio. If they decide to still utilize him that way, and I don't trust what we've seen in the preseason because teams don't want to tip their hat every win so important. Other guys can, can get off more. Uh, Ingram, without question, is a guy that, uh, that really interests me. I was watching Fox from the Kings the other day. Uh, he was such an athletic player. 
uh, you know, there's just there's a lot. Of, there's, we have so much talent in this league. It's amazing. Um, and like I said, Dante Exum, of all the guys I watched in preseason, I didn't really want to focus on anything. I just kind of want to let the experience wash over me and see what stuck. And, and that was the one guy that I came away from thinking, oh, 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 oh he might be really good. Like, you, we know what he can do defensively, but if he's able to knock down shots and blow by people and finish and play, play in that construct that they have, and they have an excellent system that, that Quinn Snyder has put in, he, he could be a, you know, a big candidate for MIP. David, always love the analysis. We'll certainly catch up soon. Enjoy the start of the season. All right, look forward to it. Thanks, Darren. Bye-bye. I always love my chats with David Thorpe, NBA skills coach, former ESPN analyst, renowned public speaker. He is based in Florida, the Clearwater area. He studies the NBA as much as anyone I know. He's available on Twitter, at Coach Thorpe. He is always nice enough to join the podcast. Figured I'd have him on here with the season starting this week. It was David Thorpe. We'll get to conversations with those Gopher basketball recruits in just a bit, plus a Twins managerial search update. Also, I should note that Vinny Del Negro, who now I think he does some work for NBA TV. I guess I need to look that up. Anyway, he is booked to tape a conversation with me on Wednesday evening. And what? He's the former Bulls coach, former Clippers coach, longtime NBA player. So it'll be fun to catch up with Vinny Del Negro. I think I'll make that its own scoop podcast. I can make that episode 180. So I think I'll push forward episode 179 this episode sometime Tuesday night. So you might be listening to this at some point here on Tuesday night, or maybe you're listening on your Wednesday morning commute, or maybe your Wednesday evening commute, whatever it might be. I am happy to push this one forward, then save Vinny Del Negro for the next episode. But I promise we'll get to Kendall Brown of Eastridge, who recently got a Gophers offer, and Kerwin Walton of Hopkins, who recently got a Gophers offer, plus Ben Carlson, plus Courtney Brown Jr., plus I do have some intel on the Twins' managerial search. As we proceed, let me tell you about MyBookie online, MyBookie.com. Heck, my first question to David Thorpe was about over-unders when it comes to the NBA, and he's right, betting on the Wolves over-unders. Under a 41 and a half is a slippery slope, but you may look at some over-unders and say, okay, that's a really good bet. Well, you need an outlet to make said bet. Think about using MyBookie, MyBookie.com. Go to Google, type in MyBookie. You will see that the reviews are outstanding. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you are betting with. That's why I recommend MyBookie. The reviews are fantastic. They have in-game live betting. They have over-unders on fantasy points scored and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And here's good news. MyBookie is slammed with new customers. Customers right now. It's that time of the year. Football, basketball starting. The NHL just started. Baseball playoffs. College football in full swing. College basketball starting in a few weeks. So it's a busy time of the year. So they are slammed with new betters and they want to give everyone the best service possible. So if you're willing to deposit after 6 p.m. Central Time, they will give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Also, if you use the promo code SCOOP, To activate an offer, promo code SCOOP, they will match you deposit dollar for dollar. So whatever you deposit, they will match it dollar for dollar. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, MyBookie.com today. Don't forget to use the promo code SCOOP. You play, you win, you get paid. It is MyBookie. All right, on the Jimmy Butler front, Glenn Taylor gave an interview to the newspaper he owns to the Star Tribune. 
To Sid Hartman, headlines from the interview, he says, he claims at least right now, that Tibbs is safe, that Tibbs's job is not in danger, that Jimmy has verbalized, and we have reported this, but Jimmy has verbalized, hey, I have no intention of re-signing with you guys, so you might want to trade me. So Glenn Taylor said that Scott Layden will continue to pursue trade opportunities As of now, nothing is close, so Jimmy will continue to practice with the Wolves. He'll play, according to Glenn, in his recent conversation, most recent conversation, with Jimmy over the weekend. Jimmy told him, hey, I'll be a good soldier. I'll be a good teammate. I will play hard. Glenn told Jimmy, hey, thank you. Okay, that's what we want from you. And we will continue to work diligently to trade you. The trade deadline is early February, so it's possible that Jimmy will still be here for many more weeks, but according to Glenn on the record and certainly on background, whether it's you know team folks or league folks or others that are tied to this situation, the expectation is that eventually the Wolves will trade Jimmy. Now, does Tom Thibodeau want to trade Jimmy? No, and that's what we talked about with David Thorpe, and it makes sense. If you're Tibbs, you're coaching for your job this year. Everybody can tell that if it's a sour year, if things go south, that Tibbs very likely could be unemployed this time next year. So if you're Tibbs and you're coaching for your job, you would much rather have Jimmy Butler than not have Jimmy Butler. And that's where it gets really, really complicated with Tibbs having final say on personnel, with being the president of operations. I do believe that if there was a different president of operations, there's a decent chance we would have already seen a Jimmy Butler trade. Glenn Taylor, as I reported on a recent Scoop podcast, has deferred to Tibbs and Scott. Glenn has not gotten to the point of, you know, injecting himself to the point of, okay, let's make this deal, let's get this thing done. Now, he may in the future, but as of now, he's still deferring to Tibbs and Layden. But I do believe that if it's February 1st and no trade has come, that the owner will say, okay, we need to get something back. Logically, we need to get something back. We can't lose Jimmy and get nothing in return. So I'm just telling you, my hunches, we still see a trade. I've been asked the question many times when it's a fluid situation. As of the recording of this podcast on Tuesday evening, the 16th of October, there is no trade that is remotely close. But a reminder, when the Wolves and the Heat swapped medical records, you know, to use the football cliche, they were on the five-yard line. They were so close to a trade happening. So I can see those two sides revisiting those talks. I also ran by a league executive, an Eastern Conference general manager, who doesn't have a stake in the Butler game. I said, hey, is it possible a dark horse team emerges? I was just picking his brain. He doesn't have any insight on this. But he's obviously tied very close to the league. I mean, he's a GM, for God's sakes. And he said, keep an eye on Denver, that he thinks Denver, whether it's Butler or somebody else, that Denver has a pretty big move up its sleeve at some point this season. But there is no Denver-Butler steam. I would still keep an eye on Miami first and foremost. But for the foreseeable future, Jimmy Butler will be a member of the Wolves. Also, what was interesting is something I've talked about on some recent Scoop podcasts, that the first time that Glenn Taylor heard about the trade request was September 18th. Remember, Tibbs at Media Day on September 24th said the first time that he heard of Jimmy's trade request was on September 18th. Now, we're debating semantics because, to me, there are always signs on the table, signs on the wall. Remember, if you listened to Scoop Podcast, I forget what episode, 
but the one that posted on May 1st, I talked about how Jimmy didn't fly back with the Wolves after the Game 5 loss in Houston. He didn't undergo a season-ending physical. There were signs. There were signs dropped by Bernie Lee, the agent for Jimmy Butler. But yeah, I mean, I think now, who knows? You know, Tibbs didn't read the tea leaves. You know, I guess semantically, the first time that Jimmy verbalized, hey, get me the bleep out of here, was September 18th. And that's what Glenn said. Glenn said, hey, the first time I heard of a trade request was September 18th. Now, is it possible that Jimmy told Tibbs months earlier of a trade request and Tibbs never brought it to Glenn? I guess that's possible. So it's a he said, he said situation. But bottom line, I mean, there's no sense. And heck, a few of us have been saying this for months, that Tibbs actually wants to trade Jimmy. So I do believe that owner Glenn Taylor is going to have to drive the Jimmy Butler trade bus at some point. For now, he can defer to Layden and Tibbs to handle the calls, to handle the trade negotiations. But at some point, I do believe Glenn slash the rest of ownership will have to step in. One other Wolves note to pass along, no surprise. If you're a listener of this podcast, that Tyus Jones and the Wolves did not reach any sort of agreement on a contract extension. Heck, there weren't even talks. I don't know why you wouldn't at least take the temperature if you're the Wolves with the Tyus camp just to see what the price might be, but it never got to that. So Tyus will be a restricted free agent next summer. So the Wolves still control his rights. They could match any offer. Now, Zach Lowe of ESPN in his must-read predictions column for the season on Tuesday morning, predicts that Tyus Jones will be traded to the Phoenix Suns. Where I can advance that is, my understanding is the Suns are still very interested in trading for Tyus Jones, but no sense that any deal is close at this moment. One other NBA note, you may have seen the story involving Mike Muscala, Roseville High School alum, the story involving his dad Bob sending an inappropriate tweet, and Elton Brand, the new Sixers general General manager releasing a statement a few days ago, slamming Bob for releasing said tweet. Well, here's what is new on that front. Bob Muscala has talked with Coach Brown of Philadelphia. He obviously has spoken to his son Mike numerous times. He is apologizing for his actions. In fact, he sent out a letter that he told me I can read. It was sent to Elton Brand, Brett Brown, the coach of the Sixers, plus all 76ers staff players, and families. Here is what Bob wrote to them. My apologies and sincere regret for my insensitive and inappropriate remarks while criticizing Jimmy Butler of the Minnesota Timberwolves. The extraordinary talent and leadership of African Americans has allowed the sport of basketball to become a fantastic opportunity for people all over the world. To impugn that Butler's behavior as a result of his race was a mistake and understandably offensive to all African Americans. I am sorry. Bob Muscala. All right, let's get to the Twins' managerial search. Two guys I hear that the Twins have kicked around internally, but it has not reached the external stage, and I'm not quite sure it will. Former Twins player, former Marlins manager, Rockies bench coach Mike Redmond, and Indians base coach Sandy Alomar Jr. So the Twins have not made external contact with either individual. Brandon Hyde, the Cubs bench coach, 
was in for an interview on Monday. Rocco Baldelli of the Rays was in last week, as was Hensley Mullins, the Giants bench coach. Also, Joe Espada, Astros bench coach, is absolutely on the Twins' radar. I think I saw a report sometime on Tuesday that he's already interviewed with the Twins. My understanding is no. He's certainly on their radar. They plan on interviewing him at some point. Heck, he is absolutely a name to watch, but my understanding is no interview so far. Also, Jace Tingler, the Rangers assistant general manager, his name has come up in Rumorville. I am told the Twins have not reached out on Tingler. Internally, they have interviewed hitting coach James Rousen and bench coach Derek Shelton. MLB.com reported this week that Mark DeRosa is not interested in the Rangers job, so presumably he's not interested in the Twins job either. I've been asked a lot about David Ross. I don't have an update on David Ross. He was mentioned in Rumorville early on, once the Twins let go Paul Molitor, but I don't have an update on David Ross. Maybe he's on their radar, maybe he's not in terms of granting an interview. Also, I haven't gotten feedback on all the guys, but I can tell you that Baldelli made a nice impression. Also, I hear that these interviews are incredibly extensive. The Twins are interviewing these guys, I mean, doing stuff with these guys for like six, seven, eight hours. It is a lengthy, lengthy process what they're putting these individuals through so heck you can say all you want about Derek Falvey and Thad Levine but they're certainly doing their homework on these candidates all right Vinny Del Negro on episode 180 which I'll record sometime on Wednesday early evening I think what I'll do is I'll save some football notes, some Vikings notes in particular, for that episode so we don't get much past 60 minutes on this episode. So we'll wrap up episode 179 with my interviews with the local basketball players, high school basketball players. We'll start with Kerwin Walton of Hopkins. He is a junior guard. His first year at Hopkins was last year. He spent his freshman year at Breck, but he was looking for a little bit more on the competition scale, so he transferred to Hopkins. So he's in his second year at Hopkins. Hopkins. He's in 11th grade, though, and he has offers from Purdue, Kansas State. And over the weekend, he attended a Gophers basketball practice, and Richard Patino made him an offer. So we'll start with Kerwin. Then I've got the threesome from Eastridge, and it's an impressive bunch at Eastridge. Eastridge, if they stay healthy, has to be one of the favorites to win it all in the big schools come March. But for now, we will play the interview I did the other day with Kerwin Walton. Then we'll get to the Eastridge guys. Kerwin, just start with how much fun is this right now with all the attention you're getting from college coaches um it's actually very fun for me right now you know i've i've been working really hard to get to this point and everything's starting to become you know put into place you know everything is just like coming together as, as much as i really planned for it to be expound on all that hard work i mean talking to your dad off camera i mean you really didn't start playing basketball until about 10 years old <laughs> yeah uh, i had i definitely came a long way it, t- it, t- it took a lot of hard work and um you know i didn't really start off like um basically being put on a team i usually i started off training you know i was outside in the park training with my dad for like over a year and then developing you know fundamental skills getting better so i mean even as you're like six seven eight nine you didn't think about playing basketball no i I actually didn't think about playing any sports to be honest i was just like i like to just like to play around play around outside you know with my mom and all that but then, you know, as you turn into a 10-year-old, 11, 12, 13, that's when you really started to develop? Uh, yeah, definitely, because, I mean, I, I logged in a lot of hours, like I'm about eight hours a day, because, I mean, I, was, I started very late, so I had to, had to get all the work in I had to in order to catch up with everyone else. 
And is the story right? Your dad told me about Michael Beasley and your dad knowing Michael Beasley when he played for the Wolves and in the house that Michael had and, and you want to buy your mama house? Oh, yeah, definitely. That's that's the biggest reason why I wanted to, and it still holds to this day. I just wanted to uh, give my dad a car, my mom a house, you know, being able to take care of them as they took care of me. So, I mean, as you're grinding hard in the gym, as you're practicing, as you're, you know, developing your craft, I mean, you're always thinking about mom and dad. Yes, definitely. That's That's what really drives me the most, actually. And then... What's it been like transferring here to Hopkins? You've now been here for a year, but, you know, freshman year at Breck, you know, Hopkins sophomore year, now Hopkins here, your junior year. Um, it's, it's been a big transition. You know, I love Breck. Breck was a great academic situation for me and it actually was a pretty suitable basketball situation as well. And then I came, you know, I came to Hopkins, transferred, and we had a good run last year, although we came up short. But this year I really think we're going to make a good run. So this year is gonna, definitely going to be good, great for me. Is it like a nice one-two punch with you and Zeke Naji? Oh yes, definitely. I think together we can all we can all take it take the to all the way to the championship. How do you two feed off of each other? How do you guys coexist? I mean, he provides a lot down low, and, and you provide from the outside. Yes, definitely. Especially now that um, he's definitely working on his shot now, so he can really shoot perimeter threes. So that pick and roll is really deadly for both of us, since we both can come off and shoot the shoot the three. I can come off, you know, I get a scoring option. If they double me, I can just uh, hit it for him for, from the pop or roll because he's so tall and strong. He can get finished through the rim, and he can actually hit hit the uh, three point shot too. What's your main position? I mean, are you a are you a two? Are you a three? Can you play some one? Well, to be honest, I like I like to say you know whatever the coach wants me to do. You know, um, usually I play mostly one through three, one mostly one and two, but I see myself as a positionless player. And you know, when you say positionless, I mean, so you can score from the inside, you can score from the outside, and you can guard. You know, whether it's a one, a two, a three, maybe even a four. I believe I can. You know, uh, I've been tell- I mean, uh, noticing that I'm long. I've- I'm actually pretty athletic. I can. I'm. Uh, I'm working on my defense a lot lately. I think I can cut off. You know, from one pro- one through four position. I'm pretty quick and strong, so I, b- I believe I could. What are your measurables? I mean, are you about what six four ish, and what do you weigh? And are you still growing? Um, yeah, from what I was told, I'm actually I am still growing because I actually grew a couple inches from uh, last year. I'm about six five maybe, and I think I weigh about like 187, and my wingspan is like six nine. And okay, so you're six five, but the growth plates are still open. So is the doctor saying maybe like six seven, six eight? Yeah, about yeah, like around there, maybe six six, six seven. Hopefully, I get to six eight. And as your body develops the next couple of years, you know, being in the weight room more and more, do you have an ideal weight that you'd like to weigh as you head into college? Um, to be honest, I'm not really sure, but I'm, I definitely was planning on just trusting, you know, the coaching staff, the strength and conditioning coach, or whatever college I end up going to, because usually they know best, and I usually, like, you know, try to make sure my weight is, like, suitable for my body, like the way I play and how I get up and down the court. On the recruiting front, how many offers are you up to now? Um, I believe eight. Can you name all eight, just snap of the fingers? Um, Denver, Purdue, Kansas State, uh, South Dakota, Drake, Baylor, and I believe Minnesota and Creighton. I mean, that's the beauty, though, that you have so many that you have to think for a second. There's just that many. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it feels pretty good, you know, just be um, recognized around the country and, you know, people are being able to see me at play and recognize my talents. On your most recent offer, the hometown, home state Gophers, how much pride do you take in having an offer from the Gophers? 
I mean, it feels really good, especially, you know, being seen in my own home state. Now people are going to probably see me and uh, recognize me wherever I go. So, you know, tell me, you know, congratulations everywhere. I get congratulations from everywhere now. And, you know, it just feels really good to, um, for people in my own hometown to see me. Take us through how the Gophers offer came about. Did you attend a practice over the weekend? Um, yes, I actually came. I toured uh, their athletic village that was new, and I got to meet, you know, meet a couple of the alumni that came there. Um, I saw the players in the weight room, and then we went to Pitino's office, and he was talking to me about Hopkins, how we're going to do this here, and how the Gophers will probably do this here. And then he uh, told me that he was he had a scholarship offer for me, and he hoping to see me one hope, hopefully to see me one day here at, uh, at the Gophers place. Got to watch him get up and down practice. They went really, it was really intense too. Who was all in the room? I mean, was it just you and Patino? Were mom and dad in the room? Who else was in the room? Um, it was me, my brother, mom, dad, and Patino, and uh, Ed Conroy, the assistant coach. And, I mean, was it just hugs after that? Uh, yeah, hugs, handshakes, everything. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, I mean, was that moment one of the better moments you've experienced? I mean, I had plenty of moments, but, yeah, those are, that was a really good moment to have. Yeah. How about some of the other offers that stick out? I mean, whether it's Purdue and the Big Ten, Kansas State, Creighton, Drake. I mean, we got a lot of options. Yeah, definitely. And it feels good to, you know, have a bunch of college options. You know, I feel actually like I'm pretty liking all of them. I'm definitely liking all the coaching staff that I met so far. And hopefully I get to even, you know, build an even stronger relationship with all of them. Are there some schools that are interested but just haven't quite offered yet? Um, from what I from what I know, I think Villanova, not Villanova, um, Virginia, and Iowa State, and then Nebraska. Those are uh, colleges I can name off the top of my head. And then your dad was even saying Memphis. You know, Sam Mitchell, the former Timberwolves player and Wolves interim coach, he's now starting to recruit Minnesota a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I actually got a, um, a couple of mail from him and some texts from him. So that's definitely uh, one of my interests as well. Do you have any visits lined up, even unofficial? Um, right now I'm planning on visiting Baylor and Purdue, and I might um, also visit, visit Kansas soon this fall and i mean you have a long ways to go i mean is the idea that like this time next year is when you'll probably end up committing somewhere um well i might commit next year like yes in my senior year maybe like around fall or right before the season how much do you lean on i mean whether it's some of your d1 teammates like you know ben carlson or dawson garcia or somebody like zeke Najee here who played up one level at d1 minnesota do you lean on some of those people for advice uh, well, not usually, but, you know, sometimes I do ask how they deal with it and how their experiences was, you know, just to get, like, a feel for it, you know, so it can help prepare me for that situation if I do end up getting into it. Are you glad now? I mean, you know, you think about the class of 2020 here locally. I mean, Jalen Suggs and Carlson and Garcia. Well, now, you know, your name's right there in there, too. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely feels good to be mentioned in, in those, but, you know, hopefully I can be seen to, though. Be like one of those guys that can do it, you know, do it all. Hopefully I can. Um, people can see me for that guy, you know, the guy that can do whatever he can to get his team to win. Where is your game still developing? Where do you need to get better the next couple of years? Um, well, mostly I say I need to get better through, like, strength development, you know, my body. I think I can probably get more. I don't think I reached my full athletic potential yet, so I feel like I can raise the roof in that uh, in that more. Hopkins Jr., class of 2020, Kerwin Walton, great young man. He says he wants to major in business and medicine in college. He wants to have a double major. Great young man. Kerwin Walton. So you think about the class of 2020 locally, Jalen Suggs, Dean Danger of Park Center, Ben Carlson, Dawson Garcia, and now Kerwin Walton all have Gophers offers. Richard Patino has also extended 
offers to a couple 2021 kids, current high school sophomores. One would be big man Chet Holmgren of Minnehaha Academy. Another would be Kendall Brown of Eastridge. He recently got a Gophers offer. Here is my recent conversation with Kendall. Kendall, just you're wearing the Gophers sweatshirt. I mean, how much pride do you take? I'll start there that you have an offer from the hometown Gophers. Um, it's exciting. And, you know, it's the hometown, so, you know, Minnesota, you just got to run Minnesota all the time. It's a great school. I'm excited. How did the offer come about? Uh, I went to a Gophers practice, and uh, Coach Petito came up to me and said, I'd like to offer you. You're a great player. You deserve it. And I was excited about that. What makes you such a great player? Um, probably my ability to play, like, one through four positions with my height and my length. Uh, I'm good on defense. I get a lot of steals. Uh, I can handle the ball and just get people open, easy buckets. Your brother said, though, that you're mainly a point guard. Is that correct? Yeah. I've been playing point guard since I was little, and just with my size, it just opened up more opportunities. And are you still growing? I I would hope so, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, does the doctor say that the growth plates are still open? Yeah, he says I have a couple of my knees that are still open. So, I mean, you may be six, what, eight, six, nine when it's all said and done? Yeah, that would be cool if I was. <laughs> how has your game developed? I mean, you're still young and it's going to continue to develop, but how much has it developed over the last handful of months going back to the AAU season? Um, yeah, it's just developed by me being more aggressive and looking for my shot more. Mostly just working on my shot, handles, just. Uh, perfecting every craft of the the game you know but yeah it's just being more aggressive throughout everything who else is recruiting you uh i've heard from iowa iowa state creighton michigan uh gotten a letter from kansas and um purdue so yeah i mean is it fun or at times is it overwhelming I mean, yeah, it's fun, but I, I just it's just a fun experience. Not a lot of people get to experience that. Sincere apologies for the background music. I was over there last Thursday. It was a volleyball afternoon, and the football team moved practice indoors. So Kendall was actually going to take some shots for our Channel 5 camera, but we didn't have that opportunity. I actually, thanks to Coach Tesdall there at Eastridge, got a full game from last year that Kendall played really well in. So for TV's sake, I was covered from a video standpoint, but... Heck, doing radio, going back to 1997 on the fan, I don't have good hearing. It stinks. I'm 38 years old, and I have really bad hearing. So Kendall said he got the Gophers offer when he was at a recent Gophers practice. I didn't hear that. So my last question to Kendall was, hey, have you been to a Gophers practice? It was my fault for asking the question when he had already said that. I pride myself in being a pretty good listener, but my hearing is so bad, and it was so loud there, I just couldn't hear him say that. So I cut off the interview right before I asked, have you been to a Gophers practice? So that was Kendall Brown. All right, let's hear from Kendall's older brother, Courtney Brown Jr. He is a senior at Eastridge. He recently committed to UW-Milwaukee. Courtney, it's now been, what, at least a couple weeks since your commitment to UW-Milwaukee. Why UW-Milwaukee? Well, first of all, I had a great official visit. Um, The coaching staff really made me feel at home. And I was talking to Coach Baldwin and talking about the perfect fit, and he said that I would know when I got there. And uh, I talked to my parents, and it was... Uh, the perfect fit for me. Uh, the guys made me feel at home. Love the city. Ten minutes from the beach. You know, I can. It's a place where I can see myself for the next four years. And seemingly, it's a program on the rise. Yeah, that was one of the big um, 
reasons why I picked that school because I can see you starting to get the pieces together so we can make a make a big run in the tournament. So from a from a your skill set standpoint, I mean you're a good fit for what they do there. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the things we talked about um, fitting in defensively, offensively. They run a lot of um, everyone. There's not a set position, so everyone's kind of moving the ball around, stuff like that. So really, a positionless offense. And because of that, I mean, is it safe to assume that you have position flexibility, versatility, that especially positionless, you can play multiple positions anyway? For sure, for sure. What positions do you normally play? Um, usually the 2-3 for uh, AAU, but then in high school, kind of the 4-5 because guys aren't, aren't as big. I mean, it's the key. I mean, you can do so many things offensively, but who you can guard defensively, is that what it comes down to when talking about positions? Pretty much. I feel like I can guard anybody on the floor. How about this year? I mean, heck, you guys had a really good run. Was it? It was some event at Hopkins. You guys won. I don't know if it was a spring event or a summer event, some breakdown event. I mean, you guys came out on top. Eastridge was the champion. I mean, looking at that and now looking ahead to your senior year, I mean, how excited are you? Oh, it's so super exciting. I think that that breakdown event was a good um, standing point of where we're at, and I could really see some of the guys improve from this summer up until then. And sky's the limit for us this year. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say state championship or bust, but, I mean, you have to be thinking about something like that, right? That's our that's our ultimate goal. I mean, does it come up, though, I mean, among guys? That's all we talk about. How about on, I'll go, you know, sequentially or age-wise, on Ben, how excited are you following Ben's recruiting and, and everything that's going on with him? Well, it's awesome. I'm really happy for him you know, to see all the top schools, you know, going after some of the players that are at the school that I'm at. It's exciting. I'm happy for him. And what about Kendall? You know, as a, as a bigger brother standpoint, I feel like he's still got a lot of growth to go. Um, really happy for him and what he's done so far as a sophomore, and it's just it's time for him to blow up now. I mean, he's already blowing up, right? It's the start of it right now, so it would be good to see as he continues on. What's it like? I mean, is it brotherly love, or are you guys always competing against each other? Uh, it's all love in the end, but we like to push each other. You know, when we're in the gym, there's always, there's always fighting going on because we're just trying to make each other better. But deep down, I was going to say, I mean, does Kendall say to you, hey, Courtney, you help make me the player that I am today? Uh, he says it in a way, not verbally, but he shows it to me kind of like in the way he acts. I don't think he'll ever admit it to me, but I can still feel it. How excited were you for him when he got the hometown Minnesota offer? Oh, it was super exciting, you know, being getting an offer from the hometown. You know, you don't have to go anywhere. You can stay home and play in front of the family. You don't got to travel anywhere. So it was exciting. I'll ask him to describe his game, but you know his game incredibly well. How would you describe him as a player? A tall point guard who causes a lot of matchup problems because he's like, what, six, 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 handling the ball. You don't really see much of that. So causes a lot of matchup problems. And the final interview for my trip over to Eastridge, junior Ben Carlson. He has a ton of offers, including from the Gophers. He is a six foot nine, six foot ten forward. He can play inside. He can play outside. He is a beast. He is one of the best players in the state. Here's my conversation with Ben Carlson. And to start with, I mean, how busy is this time for you? I mean, seemingly Every time I look at Twitter, there's some new coach that's in the gym watching you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I know it's, for all of us, there's been a lot of coaches in the gym here just watching us. That's a really cool experience for me and all our guys, I think. It's, yeah, it's been busy, but at the same time, it's a lot of fun seeing like how all our hard work is like bringing all those rewards for us. I think it's been busy, but it's been fun at the same time. Is it ever nerve-wracking? Um, once in a while, like when there's a new coach there, but most of these coaches I have a pretty good relationship with, so like they've seen me play and stuff, they know what I'm about, so it's 
it's not too nerve-wracking, but every once in a while, like a new coach will come in. It'll be nerves will go up a little bit, but yeah, it's fine for the most part. And then it's not just the open gyms. I mean, you've taken some visits yeah. too. So I mean, it's a busy time of the year for you. Yeah, I've taken five or six visits the past month or so. Yeah, just uh, go out and see some schools, some new ones like Michigan, Ohio State. Those are new. But I've seen the rest of the schools I've visited. So it was, it was just more building relationships with the coaches, which is the next part of the process for me. So Michigan, Ohio State. Kansas State, I'm guessing who else? Uh, I went to see Nebraska, Creighton, and Iowa State. I think that was in September, so that's yeah, five or six, I think. you have any more visits scheduled? No, I don't have anything planned as of now, but we'll see what will happen. Oh. I mean, where are things at overall with recruiting? I mean, is it getting overwhelming at all? Oh, uh, no, not really. It's still fun. I'm, yeah, I get a couple calls maybe every week, every other day or so, but yeah, it's not... It's not too stressful. I still enjoy it. It's still just a really cool experience, and I'm lucky that I'm a part of it. I mean, are we looking at, like, this time next year for you to probably commit somewhere or even sooner? Uh, probably this time next year. I'm not not trying to rush at all. I'm trying to make the best decision for me. I think, yeah, it'll be sometime, this, sometime like, around this time next year, I think. Who's recruiting you the hardest? Um, it's hard to say because I know it seems like every day it's, like, a different coach, so it's – it's not like one coach like every single day. It's, I'd say it's about even, actually. It's just, it's just hard to tell. But they're all, they're all recruiting me pretty hard, which is pretty cool to say. I mean, are we talking the hometown Gophers? Are we talking Wisconsin, Iowa State, Michigan, Ohio State, Kansas State? Am I leaving out anybody? Uh, I don't even know. It's almost all the schools that have offered me so far. But, yeah, there's, like you said, those are a couple of them. And then there's... I think it's about every other school that's offered me that's talked to me or texted me at least once or twice a week. So there's no one who's really not talking to me. So. Are there any schools that are talking to you but haven't quite offered yet? Uh, Michigan's one. I know Gonzaga, Indiana, UCLA's a new school. Uh, I think that's it. Well, there might, yeah, I think that's it. How much has your game gotten better here the last, even going back to the D1 season and then into the into the school year with the uh, you know the captain's workouts and what have you? I think the biggest part is I, I know we have a really good strength coach here, Mr. Moon. He does a lot for all of our guys. I think that's one of the biggest improvements is just getting stronger in the weight room. So we lift three days a week in the morning. I think that's helped not only me but our entire team. I think it's helped our confidence a lot. So he's, he does a lot for us, and we really appreciate what he does. It's, it's going to help our team a lot. I mean, are there tangible results like, you know, bench press-wise or whatever it is? I mean, are you able to see, okay, this is how much further I'm along in the weight room compared to, you know, three, four, five, six, seven months ago? Yeah, like we do we do, we do maxes every couple of months. Like, you can just see for everyone, like, goes up a little bit, which is, that's obviously a big confidence boost because you know you're stronger and you can do different stuff out on the court. And then what about on the court? I mean, where has your game grown? I think the biggest part, I've been working on my three-pointer a lot because I know that's that's where the game is going. You gotta be, Everyone's got to be able to shoot the three. So that's I've been focusing on that a lot, and that's gotten a lot better, I think. How excited are you for those two guys? I mean, Courtney committing and, and Kendall getting the Gophers offer and his game just blowing up. Yeah, that's obviously really cool. Courtney, he's obviously a really good fit for Milwaukee, and that's a great school. So that's good for him that he's going there. I think Kendall, he's going to be really good. Like He already got a Gopher offer. Like He's... This guy's limit for him. They're both really good players. It's, it's exciting that we're all on the same team. So I know we've got good good talent. I mean, we're, we're really deep as a team, too, so it will be a fun year for sure. And egoless, I mean, do all you guys just defer to each other? What was that? Do all you guys just defer to each other? Well, like what do you mean? Well, just in terms of, okay, you know, 
nobody's looking just to be me, 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 and selfish and take all these shots that you guys pass and, and defer to each other. Yeah, we our, our team chemistry's gotten a lot better. I know in the summer just playing together in a couple of high school tournaments, like we we just pass the ball around all the time. Like it wasn't it wasn't one person shooting the ball. Like we just I think that's what's gonna make us so good this year is we're gonna have share the ball a lot. I know our goal is just to win the state championship, and to do that, we got to be able to share the ball, and we're going to be able to do that this year. That is a fun, fun bunch and a good group of young men over at Eastridge High School. They are a loaded team, so be on the lookout for Eastridge come November, December, January, February, and March. Eastridge High School with multiple Division One players. That'll do it for Scoop Podcast episode 179. I'll be back soon with episode 180. I know I have Vinny Del Negro locked in. I swapped text messages with Rick Spielman, J.D. Spielman's dad, seeing if there's a chance that Rick can hop on. It's a busy time of the year, obviously. He's bouncing all over the country, going to college games, scouting college athletes, preparing for the draft. And he's got, obviously, 53-man roster stuff to deal with, David Perry, brought back on Tuesday, so he's a busy guy. So I don't know if that will come to fruition. I have one of the PR guys with the Vikings trying to facilitate a phone conversation, just a brief phone conversation with Rick. I told Rick, hey, mostly JD, but I might throw in a Vikings question or two. So we'll see if that happens, but for sure, episode 180 will include a conversation with Vinny Del Negro, and I'll pass along some football no-tech over the next 12 to 24 hours. I'm sure something new will happen So I'll have an update on whether it's the Twins, the Wolves, the Wild, whatever it might be. I'll provide that in episode 180. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed episode 179. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, My Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.